0: Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. I have to admit, I have been waiting for this chapter pretty much since we began studying the book of Isaiah together. Uh, This is the fourth servant song, although it is a bit of a tease. Most of the song actually comes in the next chapter, so tomorrow. But for today, we begin that servant song, and it'll be the last couple of verses of our text. We are in Isaiah chapter 52. Awake, awake! Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus, says Yahweh, you were sold for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. For thus says the Lord Yahweh, My people went down at the first into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them for nothing. Now, therefore, what have I here, declares Yahweh, seeing that my people are taken away for nothing. Their rulers wail, declares Yahweh, and continually all the day my name is despised. Therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore in that day they shall know that it is I who speak. Here I am. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of Yahweh to Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For Yahweh has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Yahweh has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Purify yourselves, you who bear the vessels of Yahweh. For you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in flight. For Yahweh will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Behold, my servant shall act wisely, he shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred, beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations, kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told, them they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. This is the word of the Lord. So again, this chapter begins with a a call of God, awake, awake, for Israel to repent. Now we can ask our our children, what is this strength that God is encouraging his people to put on? I'm going to point you to this being Ephesians chapter 6. Paul in Ephesians 6 tells us to put on the armor of God, and then you have the six different pieces of equipment that you would think of a soldier wearing, the helmet, the sword, the shield, the chestplate, etc. The belt and the boots. I guess I should just name them all. But each of those six pieces that Paul describes references a prophecy about Jesus from the book of Isaiah. And it's actually five of the six. The shield is not an Isaiah prophecy about the Christ. However, it is a very well attested to idea about God Himself being our shield. You can find that in several Old Testament sections, kind of including without the word itself here in verse 12, uh, that God would be our rear guard. But all of those things end up being prophecies about Jesus. So here, Put on your strength, O Zion. God is telling his people to look to him. He is their strength. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is our strength. We know that today. He is calling his people at this time to look to him and not to another. Put on your beautiful garments. It's compared to wearing the sackcloth and mourning that they had been told to wear before. They're no longer to mourn. Now they are to celebrate and to rejoice. The end of verse 1, that no uncircumcised, no unclean would come in, this is a reference to the non-believers, those who are not a part of the kingdom of God, those who are just the sinners uh, who oppose him. This is a foreshadowing of paradise. No sin will will come upon us in that place. Verse 2, to loose the bonds of our neck, from our neck, is a reference to sin and a reference to death. Uh, For Israel in particular here, Judah in particular, it is a reference to the Babylonian captivity. They are being freed from that slavery. They are being sent home. Verse 3, God gained nothing in the discipline of his people. They were sent off into exile, and there was no gain for God in that. Sold for nothing. Now they'll be redeemed without money so it wasn't for money that they were sold and now it's not for money that they are redeemed and so this is true of cyrus of persia freeing judah but it's also true all the more and when it comes to us to the fullness of the church not just to the the people of the old testament but to the fullness of the church ask your kids this one they should know this how have we been redeemed if it's not with money how did god buy us back and the answer to that is with his own precious blood, as Jesus dies on the cross to forgive us. God gives two examples of the discipline his, his children have endured. Uh, so to Egypt and to Assyria, both there in verse 4. Now it is to Babylon as well. But God is going to redeem. He has heard his people. They will know him by name. They will see his salvation. Therefore, in that day, verse 6, the day of their restoration, the day when God redeems them, they will know him by name. Verse 7. This is a well-known verse and it's got the New Testament citation by the apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10 that probably helps that out. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Anyone who shares the gospel That's what this verse is about. Now, in the immediate context, it's about the the prophet Isaiah, who's proclaiming this good news. Good news, gospel, uh, same thing. Those are synonyms to each other. And so, Isaiah is proclaiming the good news. His feet are beautiful. Well, what's that mean? This is a culture and time and history where feet were disgusting things. Some people in our, our clean culture that we live in today still think feet are disgusting things. But at that time, they really were. Most of of the world was a dirt road. You know, you didn't have sidewalk or paved streets, with a few exceptions. So dirt road, which means your feet, which you don't have closed-toed shoes, you're walking around in sandals, if you have sandals at all. Your feet are battered, they're beaten, they're calloused, they're bloodied. And, you know, you can imagine how... a An infection might come up if you have a dirt road and you have a a cut on your foot. Prone to being, being infected. So feet were horrible things. This is why when you come to the New Testament, Jesus trying to wash the feet of his disciples was so repulsive to them, to Peter in particular. It was a thing of humility. It was it was the lowest person in the house. The lowest servant of the house was the one who would wash your feet. Certainly not the, our Lord. So this is this beautiful feet reference that we have here. The feet are beautiful because this person has traveled to bring you the good news. So it doesn't matter how dirty their feet are. It doesn't matter how infected their feet are. You're going to care for them because they're bringing you news that is better than anything else. It's uh, quite a a vivid image for us to consider. So, of course, Old Testament context of this, it's the good news of, of redemption from Babylon. But the full context of this, it's the good news of redemption from sin and from death that we have on the cross of Christ. Thanks to Jesus for us. The word publishes in verse seven, so publishes peace, publishes salvation from the Hebrew word shama, which can be better translated here, causes to hear. so that so that this good news bringer is causing them to hear peace. He is causing them to hear of their salvation. That's what it means to say here that it's being published. So you have a publisher, a newspaper publishes their you know their paper so that you can hear the news. That's the kind of idea we're seeing. Verse 8, the watchman, not an enemy that is approaching, that the watchman see coming. The watchmen see God himself coming to save, to deliver. Jesus' parables often would point us to his return, and they would call upon us to keep watch, to be watchful for his his return. This also gives us the picture uh, here in verses 8, well, just verse 8. Verse eight gives us a picture of Palm Sunday, as we think about it, um, that the watchmen would look and they would see God coming to them, the return of Yahweh to Zion, which is even fitting of Palm Sunday. Zion is Jerusalem. Jesus entering Jerusalem fits that, although of course this is God again delivering the people; they get to return back to Jerusalem from their exile in Babylon. Sing songs. Uh, the old church songs were so filled with the things God had done for his people. Many of our hymns, thankfully, still do that kind of a, a thing. But to be able to to teach, to learn, to use music, to learn what God has done for us was, was a goal of the church for a very long time. God has comforted, God has redeemed his people. Verse 10, that he has bared his holy arm... In the presence of all nations so that they all see his salvation uh, this is again twofold lots of twofold here when we're talking about redemption twofold prophecy you've got Cyrus Cyrus is the the holy arm in verse 10 the immediate context he is the one that God would use to bring deliverance but ultimately it's Jesus Jesus is the arm of the Lord who delivers all people all time from their sins And so that doubles down as we get to the second part of the verse. So the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. So in Cyrus, it is the the earth seeing the might of God. As Cyrus himself even acknowledges Yahweh as the one who has given him all the kingdoms of the world. But again, greater fulfillment in Jesus as this becomes salvation for all people. Again, flowing from the blood of the cross. Verse 11, why are they not touching unclean things? Why are they purifying themselves? Now They are in the presence of God again. They are restoring their priests. They're re- rebuilding the temple. They are going back to the sacrifices of old. So the priests have to be purified. They have to carry the, the vessels that have been plundered by Babylon. They have to carry those back to Jerusalem. They get to rebuild things and put it back together again. The worship life of Israel is being restored. Verse 12, do not go out in haste like they did with Egypt as they were fleeing from Pharaoh. Not this time. This time there is no one who is was, who was going to be pursuing them. Salvation is going to be in its totality. Um, they are peacefully leaving, peacefully returning home. Very different than, than in Egypt. Of course, it's also different in the reality with Egypt. They actually did fully. I mean, they, they ran that very night with the 10th plague. Unfortunately, with this release from captivity, uh, as Cyrus set them free in 537, it took them 20 years to finally go home fully. I mean, they'd win in, in, in different parts. They would go some, some people went immediately. Some people waited, but it took them 20 years to rebuild the temple which is pretty shameful uh, of God's people there, but it's part of our history. God will go before them. Yahweh will. God will be their rear guard. There's not much more we can ask for than that. This brings us to the servant song of Isaiah 52 and 53. Now, this is the final one of the Four Servant Songs, and it is the boldest, the clearest of the songs. However, unfortunately for us, in terms of this podcast, just doing a chapter a day, it is a tease. It is broken by um, whoever put in the chapter breaks, which I believe was uh, a man named Etienne, a Frenchman in the 15th century. So... um, if I could change it, I would take the chapter break out from this. Bump it up three verses if you want to, but chapter 52.13 through chapter 53.12 should be together as a, as a unit as a whole. I mean, that's what they are. They are one servant song that is about Jesus Christ and about what he would do. Uh, we'll talk about the boldness of this servant song tomorrow because it gets bolder in the later verses, but we'll cover verses 13 through 15, because that's part of our text for the day. So again, God's servant, my servant, Jesus, is going to act wisely. So there will be no fault in him. He's going to, to serve the Lord righteously. He shall be high and lifted up. No, well, that's the cross. As he is lifted up for the world to see, he is glorified. So that connects back again to verse 10. The ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Jesus the servant is lifted up for all to see. It's John chapter 3 verse I think it's 14 Uh, Just as the serpent was lifted up on the pole by Moses in the wilderness. So the Son of Man must also be lifted up That's where we get this language from Jesus himself Now you also have the idea that he's lifted up. He's glorified Um, the idea that this is going to eventually get to his ascension and his rule over creation we can't see that without first seeing the cross. Verse 14, his appearance was so marred. Jesus would be beaten, tortured, um, in the events of Good Friday. And if you've never watched the Passion of the Christ film, that's a very vivid, uh, depiction of what happened. And probably the, the the strongest one you might ever see in your life. So if you haven't watched it, I, I recommend it, but know it's rated R and know it is very violent and bloody, but it gives you a glimpse at what our Savior endured on our behalf. He was so beaten that you would not have recognized him even if you knew him. His appearance was marred beyond human semblance. He no longer looked like a man. Verse 15, so he shall sprinkle many nations. The blood of Christ is on us all. This is a day of atonement kind of reference. As the high priest would walk into the temple, he'd go into that holy of holies, the most holy place that only entered once a year. He would take the blood of atonement from the sacrifice, and he would sprinkle it on the holy thing of God, the Ark of the Covenant, for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, his blood is going to be poured out on all of us, covering us, making us the holy things of God, which is interesting as you think of the context of Good Friday and the Jewish crowds chanting, let his blood be on us and on our children. One of the most ironic statements in all of scripture, uh, because it was not just the guilt of it, but the forgiveness as well. The end of 15, the nations will come to believe. So kings from all over the world will see, they will understand things that they have not previously known. Faith will be shared with the Gentiles because of this Christ. So again, that's a tease. It doesn't give us the fullness of the song. We'll get the rest tomorrow.